You're listening to RTI Audio, powered by Rocky Top Insider. This is the RTI Press Pass with Rick Butler and Ryan Jumpert. All right, and welcome into the Rocky Top Insider Press Pass podcast. My name is Rick Butler, joined to my left by the one and only Ryan Shumpert. Today is Tuesday, October 25th. I know what you might be thinking. We came to you last week on a Thursday. Normally, it's a Wednesday. Well, hey, today's a little bit of a special Tuesday edition of the show today. And Ryan, frankly, that's because basketball season is right around the corner. It is, yeah. We have uh, Lady Vols Media Day on Wednesday, so I'll be over there getting uh, plenty of content on uh, what's what a preseason top five team and yeah. a team with uh, a lot of hype, and they're both them and, and the Vols about two weeks away from uh, getting things started here early in November. Yeah, it, it is right on the other, you know, right on the other side of the door. I, I think sometimes, really, in the last couple of football seasons. This has been the point in the football season where people start to kind of at least look towards basketball season a little bit. But as you mentioned before we even started with the show today, seems like people are pretty darn locked in to the Tennessee football team right now. But nonetheless, still going on in the outside, still right around the corner. Yeah, 100%. And for and obviously for good reason. Yeah, I feel like you usually get that. Tennessee gets that mid-October loss to Alabama, maybe a bye week after that. And that's when kind of people <laughs> at least start turning. A lot of people turn turn a lot of attention to basketball and we haven't had that really yet, and like I said, it makes sense, but uh, both both teams should have really good seasons, and we'll have plenty of content getting you ready uh, for both the Lady Vols and Vols. Just getting things started here in a couple weeks at Thompson Bowling Arena. Actually, the Lady Vols start their season at Ohio State, which is a, a pretty cool first game and a, a pretty nice nice way to open the season with a challenge. Probably be a little bit more difficult than, than Tennessee facing Tennessee Tech <laughs> in game number one. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, just about a day or so ago, uh, Michigan State and Tom Izzo were in town. They had a little – looked like a little bit of a scrimmage with the men's team. Yeah, they did. The, uh, the closed-door scrimmage, which really not much of anything ever gets out of that. Tennessee's played him against Davidson ever since Rick Barnes has been here. I believe Bob McKillop, maybe I'm mispronouncing his name, but the long, he was a longtime coach. Uh, Davidson and him and Barnes had a really good relationship. He retired after last season, so uh, Tennessee brought Michigan State down and – it's been not a lot that's come out of it, but more than we usually get. We you know we usually get nothing, but they they took some pictures and they yeah. they tweeted out a video yesterday with a couple highlights and in the pictures we didn't, you know we didn't get any scores or any box score, but in the pictures there's two pictures where you can see the scoreboard in the background. So we know Tennessee was oh. down. We know Michigan State was up by about seven late in the first half, and then we know Tennessee was up by two with about ten minutes left in the game. So that's fascinating. More, that's more than we usually get. Putting uh, from on your that. detective cap there. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it wasn't it wasn't any, anything too big time, but just looking at some pictures and seeing the scoreboard in the background. I, I can just picture Ryan now, right, uh, with like an old detective uh, outfit on with the hat. The trench weird, coat. Yeah, long trench coat, and you got the hat on, and maybe even a, a long a long stemmed cigar <laughs> or, a, or or a pipe, you know, something like that. And I can see you just moseying around TBA looking for more information on the final score. Of the Tennessee Michigan State scrimmage. Yeah, maybe a monocle. Maybe I'm just looking like Mr. Peanut. <laughs> maybe I just look like Mr. Peanut in the picture. But uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, that was interesting. And then uh, the Vols will 
play Gonzaga in an exhibition game on Friday night in Texas, and I'll be there to cover that. So we'll have plenty of coverage on that and what should be, you know, Michigan State's obviously a big, big-time big test, but Gonzaga, what I believe, number two in the preseason AP poll behind North Carolina. So should be a really good opportunity, and um, I wouldn't even hardly say measuring stick because it's even before the season, but it should give us a, a nice early look at Tennessee and a challenge before they get things going for real uh, the, the following, I guess, two weeks uh, on Monday, maybe the Monday after George game. I don't yeah. know what the date is, but the yeah. Monday after George game's first game. Yeah, I'm excited for that one on Friday. You know, even if it is a preseason thing, even if it's a pay-per-view thing, that's it's going to be a fun game right there. And uh, they're going back to my hometown to play that game. They're going to Frisco, Texas, uh, of all places, where, where they're going to be playing that. And then even the arena that they're going to be playing in is a place that I have a lot of familiarity with. Yeah. It, it, my senior year of high school... Uh, I was on the grind. Uh, I was a pizza deliverer, and I cannot tell you how many just how many pizza orders I delivered to that exact arena. So kind of a little funny full circle moment. Yeah, that is uh, the good old good old Jets pizza yep. going strong, uh, going out. strong in Frisco, going strong in Knoxville. There you go. All right, so we got a lot to get into today. Obviously, a lot of Tennessee football. We got a game against Kentucky coming up just on the other side of the weekend. But first, uh, before we get into that, before we get into any of the Tennessee football coverage or anything. Uh, Ryan, I, I, ju- I did just want to see real quick if uh, you wanted to talk any smack to Bob on the other side of the table here real quick after your own Titans are, are now 2-0 and on the season against Bob's Colts. No. I just Bob, wanted to present that. Just at least throw it in the air. You no, know, I appreciate that. And Bob and I discussed a little bit of it off air. But uh, one, there's not a whole lot of joy or long-term optimism <laughs> to be taken by this Titans team. Don't get me wrong. I enjoy watching them dominate the Colts in recent years as they've been dominated by the Colts just about my whole life before that. Uh, but I don't – I'm not sure the Titans are actually that much better than the Colts. But uh, luckily they're in about the worst division in football, and I think we'll have a great chance to make the playoffs. Yeah, you're kind. Um, <laughs> I will uh, I will say it wasn't really a beatdown. It, it was kind of a rock fight, basically, yes. and uh, or a pillow fight. But – um, yeah, it's a bad season to be a Colts fan. The, Ryan and I were just talking. The scary part is Colts could still win that division. It's kind of the state of things in not just the AFC South, but the NFC South, too. Yeah. It's uh, a lot of mediocrity in those two divisions. And uh, um, I, I'm kind of glad the Colts made a move. I'm surprised it was Ellinger. I thought Nick Foles was going to maybe sure. get the call, but uh, here we are. We'll see. You never know, man. Look at what happened, although last night notwithstanding, look at what Bailey Zappi has done yeah. for the Patriots. So, you know, I'll, in, uh, I'll take a shot with it. What in the heck. both of those games, just looking at the schedule right here, in both of those games, Tennessee and, and Indianapolis, uh, Derrick Henry has almost rushed for as many yards as Tannehill has thrown for in yeah. both contests. I mean, it, t- Sub 140 on both. The Titans have scored, I believe, six second-half points combined in those two games. And, I mean, why— I, texted some friends and one is Colts fan during that game I said a 20 yard gain for either of these teams feels like a 99 yard touchdown like yeah. it, there were just no explosive plays and going down and scoring required just good offensive play after good offensive play for both teams it was it was it was very different than watching Josh Heifel and the Vols play on Saturday when, when the most dynamic 
offensive team in your division, maybe the Jacksonville Jaguars, <laughs> that's that's a problem. Um, uh, that's we can just leave it at that. Yeah, fair enough. We'll, we'll put fair enough. All right. Well, let's uh, let's go ahead and flip the script a little bit and let's move back into the college football realm. Ryan, we know that there's a big game in Knoxville coming up this weekend, Tennessee and Kentucky. Now, I do want to go back to last year's Tennessee-Kentucky game that was in Lexington because I think, frankly, you almost need to start there to kind of get the full story of the game coming up this weekend. Tennessee went to Kentucky last year on the road, November 6th, and that was when Kentucky was ranked in the top 20. They were ranked right there, uh, number 18. Tennessee, meanwhile, they were not ranked at the time. They were 5-4 and four with a 3-3 three and three conference record. That was a that in reality that was a season changing game for Tennessee. That was obviously Josh Heupel's first ranked win at uh, at Tennessee. That was his first ranked road win at Tennessee. There were just so many different things that kind of came together for Tennessee, allowing them to put together that back half of the season finish and really kind of start to build some of that momentum into the game for this year. Um, but now Tennessee has Kentucky coming in town this time. They're not going there. It's going to be a big game coming up this weekend. It is, and I think on the theme of last year's game, it maybe a little bit of a perception change uh, of Tennessee. I think you know, they were. If, let's just go back and say they lose that game, go six and six. I think you know there would still be some excitement uh, around what Tennessee was able to do, and spe- mainly offensively. Uh, but it would have felt like eh, they didn't really do a whole lot that special. They lost a, a bunch of close games to to really you know good quality teams like Kentucky. And they beat up on a bad South Carolina and a bad Missouri and a bad Vanderbilt team to get to a bowl game. And I think there would have been some positivity around it. But I, I really think winning that game and getting the 7-5, and five, having a top 20 win on the road, really kind of changed the, the perception both outwardly and really from the Tennessee's fan base. Uh, it did a lot. So uh, it was a huge win for Tennessee. And it's full circle here, I believe, the same weekend that that game was last year. And you know, Tennessee, like you said, was unranked in that game last year, and they, they come into this one number three in the country. Yeah, it, it really is just a it's a pretty incredible uh, year change, if you will, to look at where both teams are. And you're right, Kentucky pretty much in the same spot. They're ranked 18 last year for this game. They're ranked 19 this year for this game. Meanwhile, Tennessee, though, on the other hand, goes from unranked to number three, like you just said. All right, Ryan, coming up in Neyland Stadium this week, 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time, Kentucky taking on Tennessee. ESPN's Football Power Index gives Tennessee at about an 83% chance to win this game. There is about a 12.5-point spread in Tennessee's favor. Ryan, when you think about this game, when you think about all the different components, we know that Tennessee's got a big-time offense, the best offense in the country coming in, 50 over 50 points a game, well over 500 yards of, uh, of offense per game. Then we got Kentucky on the other side. They have a very talented quarterback in Will Levis who has garnered a quite a bit of attention throughout the offseason and throughout the year this year as one of the NFL uh, draftees, as one of the potential guys to go to the NFL draft at a very high-ranking spot as well. So when you think about this game coming up this Saturday, what's your first thought? Where does your brain kind of lead to first? I think it's, especially when you look at that point spread, uh, being, whatever you said, 12.5, I think it opened up at 11 on Sunday afternoon, and it's... Can Tennessee dictate the terms of which this game is played? If Tennessee can turn this into a shootout and can score a lot of points early and get a couple stops early in the game to build an early lead against Kentucky, uh, I think I have a hard you know I have a hard time seeing Kentucky being able to really climb out of that hole and win and even make it really competitive. But on the reverse, if it this game plays out 
you know, similar to the way it did last year where Tennessee can score a lot or maybe the offense gets off to a little more of a rocky start and Kentucky scores early and Kentucky, and the game's tight the whole way, which is what the game was last year, then it's kind of like I think you could almost be in this spot at the end of the game and Tennessee could win still. We're like, man, I can't believe that this line was 12 because I just think Kentucky's going to be able to slow down the game a lot offensively with the way they run the ball. If they have success offensively, I think they're going to be able to slow down the game. So to me, I think this is one that the first quarter is going to be really imperative because I think it's really going to set the tone uh, for how the rest of the game is played. And you look at these two teams and what I believe you might have in front of you over-unders, like around 63, I want to say, is where it opened up at. Yeah, 63 and a half. Yeah, and so far this year, Tennessee, the overs hit five times in Tennessee games and the unders hit two times in Tennessee games, and it's completely flipped. So the unders hit five, or the overs hit two times in Kentucky games and the overs hit five times. And I think that's that stat right there is kind of a microcosm for everything I just said. Uh, who dictates the terms? Tennessee wants to play fast. They want this to be a game with a lot of possessions. They want to turn this thing into a shootout and see if Kentucky can keep up because I don't think they can. And then on the other side, Kentucky wants to slow this game down. They want to limit possessions. They want to keep Hinton Hooker off the field. And if they do that, you know, I think it could very well be a, a very competitive game that goes into the fourth quarter. Yeah, I, I think if you're looking at this thing from Kentucky's side, you, you really want to – Garner as many of those kind of quick drives from Tennessee's offense that we've seen from time to time, right? We, we know that Tennessee's offense works very, very quick with the tempo that they're going with. We've seen at, at times Tennessee's offense gets a little bit behind on maybe first down. Maybe a penalty kind of sets them back or something. Maybe you don't entirely get as much push on a run uh, on second down. And then you're sitting there on third and long-ish, and really you've only taken about 30, 45 seconds off the clock. Sometimes Tennessee's offense then gives it back to the defense. I think if you're Kentucky, those are really the kind of drives that you want to make your money on this Saturday. I think as much as possible, if you can kind of flip the script, right, and have Tennessee's offense having as small, I don't know the right phrasing for this, but just as small-timed of a drive as they can, and then you're right, then giving it back to Kentucky's offense, who really feels like they can draw out this clock. I think that's a big uh, thing that they'll be looking at this weekend. I also think another thing that they'll be looking at this weekend is explosive plays. You go back to that 2021 game, and uh, Tennessee scored explosive plays on 75-yard touchdown. They had a 72-yard touchdown. They had a 37-yard run. And I believe Elante Taylor had that 56-yard pick six that uh, that was really important by the end of the game. Uh, I, and we've also seen really how explosive plays have been just so overwhelming to opposing defenses this year. Uh, we've seen it, whether it's SEC competition, whether it was the Pittsburgh game, or whether it's one of these other teams that Tennessee has played, we've seen Tennessee really be advantageous in the way that they use these big-time explosive plays, especially looking at Jalen Hyatt in that Alabama game. I think if you're Kentucky, you want to limit those as much as you possibly can. I think there's absolutely kind of a realistic expectation that Tennessee is going to get theirs, right? You cannot stop them from getting those explosive plays, but as much as you can limit them, I think that's really what Kentucky's going to be trying to do in this game. You're right, and that's what Kentucky's been really good at this year defensively, and they don't bring a lot of pressure. They like to play two safeties high, and that's been their overall game plan or their overall way of attacking offenses this season. You know it's going to be against Tennessee because of what Tennessee can do to put stress on defenses vertically down the field. Uh, So I think you're right, and I think you're right that it's not going to be as simple as even Kentucky doing that. Tennessee's probably going to get some big plays because they are the best in the conference at getting chunk plays in the passing game. Uh, but 
I do think it's going to be a game where it's going to be an emphasis on being able to drive the ball down the field, and I think that's where what makes Tennessee's offense so dangerous is that it's not just a big plays. I mean, Hinton Hooker is as good as anybody at seeing what the defense is giving him and taking what's there, and I think that's going to allow Tennessee to be able to move the ball and drive down the field. Again, you know, this is an emphasis on a lot of games, but especially a game where you wonder how many big plays Tennessee can hit, uh, how does Tennessee – does Tennessee stay really efficient and effective in the red zone? They've been an incredibly good red zone team this year. 11 tries on down-to-down situations. They've scored 11 touchdowns. I think that's another a really important theme in this game. But you're right. I mean, I think Kentucky's ability to take away big plays uh, is imperative in this game. But at the same time, and you really you look at the weakness of this Kentucky defense, it's the pass rush. It's not a very good pass rush. And right. I just – I have a hard time thinking that if you're not going to be able to get after Hendon Hooker, that Tennessee's offense isn't going to have a lot of success because I just don't think it's one-dimensional and it falls only on the big play. I think if Hooker has time, he's going to find uh, receivers in the intermediate. He's going to find a check down or he's going to make plays with his legs, which we've seen consistently this season that he can do that. And it's not always massive plays, but it's plays that keep Tennessee ahead of the sticks and out of third and long, like out of third and long, like you mentioned. You actually asked. Uh, Josh Heupel about that red zone efficiency on Monday, did you not? Uh, last Thursday, actually. Last Thursday? Yes. What uh-huh. was what was his answer, if you can remember, recall yeah. any of it? Yeah, no, I can. It, it was He said a, a, a lot of different things. He said it starts with having good players, and it starts with having a quarterback who is very capable of knowing knowing what Tennessee wants to do and where the reads are and being efficient and uh, processing information quickly, which we obviously know Hinton Hooker does. He says it's been about winning battles on the outside one-on-one with receivers. And if Tessie gets Cedric Tillman back, I think that's a, a huge bump, uh, especially in the red zone with his physicality. And then he also, you know, he mentioned, and I think he did talk more about this on Monday, how much better Tennessee's been uh, in short yarded situations running the ball this year. And that shows up obviously on a lot of third and fourth downs, but uh, even more than that, or just as much as that, it shows up inside the 10 yard line where Tennessee's been able to run the ball really well. And it's, as you know, as people know, it's a lot harder to run offense inside the red zone. It's harder to run the ball because the safeties are in the box. It's sure. harder to pass the ball because you can't stretch the field. And when you are good enough to be able to run the ball in inside the 10-yard line, that's just a, a huge, huge plus. And I think you go and you look in the NFL, the teams that have the best red zone offenses either have really, really good a really, really good quarterback or a really good run game. And it, it makes things a lot easier. And Tennessee's run game has been really good in the red zone this year. Yeah, no doubt about it. You know, as you mentioned just there, Heupel talks about how, hey, to be efficient in the red zone, you do have to have good players. But I, I, I do kind of uh, reverse that also a little bit, you know, fully fully recognizing Tennessee's players and, and the ability that they have on the field and just what their execution has been this season. But, man, you got to have the right people putting them in the right positions. And, and I cannot, you know, really – I keep coming back to this Tennessee coaching staff, especially on the offensive side of the ball in ways that I am impressed by what they're doing. Just the ability to create matchups. I, I mean, we've all seen it kind of be broken down or, or talked about to different extents throughout the eight weeks of the season that we've had so far, but it really is incredible how Tennessee's been so good and so efficient at getting their players into the right matchups, whether they're using space to their advantage, whether they're using uh, defensive back matchups to their advantage. There's something that Josh Heupel and his staff know how to do in order to get his guys with the right matchups and get those guys in space. I I think it's been really impressive so far, and I don't really think that I've seen a coaching matchup so far this season that Tennessee has played where I've really felt like Tennessee has been outmatched in the coaching department. So if as long as that continues here this weekend, to me, 
I, I believe that does give Tennessee a big advantage. Just you know, and that's not even really to take anything away from the coaching uh, from the Kentucky coaching staff, but just to emphasize how good Tennessee's coaches have been this year and how much of the success uh, has been part of their preparation for these games. No, you're right, and it's. I mean, it's a massive, it's a massive benefit to as good as Josh Hype went out, Golishar at scheming things up. And I think when you look in the long term, at the way football has changed, and this obviously has nothing to do with Saturday's game, but it's become an offensive game, especially in the college ranks. And I think, you know, the days of hiring a defense coordinator as your head coach are dwindling because even if you you get a guy and he brings in a good offense coach, you can lose that offense coach. I mean, look at Ed Orgeron at LSU and. Uh, what he was able to do with, with Brady. I can't remember what his first name was. Cam Brady, maybe? Yeah, I can't remember. But the guy who ended up going to the NFL after the yeah. Joe Burrow season, and you quickly saw the offense dwindle off. I think that has to be very comforting for Tennessee that you have a guy that, that's so good with quarterbacks and is so good at getting guys open down the field just because of the way college football has changed and, and how much it is now. The rules make it about making it easier to score and really being able to take advantage uh, of those rule changes and, and outscore teams, which we've seen them do now for two years. Yeah, no doubt. Let's uh, let's flip it a little bit. We've talked a lot about Tennessee's offense and Kentucky's defense, but let's flip it. Let's go Kentucky's offense and Tennessee's defense. You know, Ryan, I, I think, and it's actually funny enough because I've had this thought since I really since I woke up this morning, and then talking to uh, the Tennessee players today, Byron Young actually kind of hit on hit on one of the same thoughts I had. But man, third and fourth down are, are going to be so incredibly important, I think, for Tennessee in this game. Because of, really, in my mind, because of what you said at the beginning of, of this a couple minutes ago, just the way that Kentucky's offense is going to try to command the pacing of this game, going to try to slow it down a little bit, going to try to use maybe a little bit more of an NFL type of offense as opposed to the run-and-gun, up-tempo offense that we've seen so much from Tennessee. They're going to really try to slow this thing down. And then as Byron Young said today, hey, that's just kind of the way that college football is going now, right? You have to be prepared on third and fourth downs. It can't just be, hey, we got to play these three, we got to play them hard, and then we're going to be off on fourth. A lot of the times, uh, we've seen really just across the whole football world how, how much that is uh, increasingly becoming more and more prevalent in the sport today. So I, I really think that being able to manage third and fourth down, being able to get off the field and not giving them repeat opportunities to continue to move the chains and move the ball down the field. I think that's a big thing for Tennessee. Again, just getting the ball back to the offense, but not allowing their offense to just take up gigantic chunks of clock. You're right, and some of that is analytics. I think that's led to a lot more fourth down attempts. And But this year, I mean, Tennessee, a lot of it's because teams don't feel like they can keep up with Tennessee's offense. So they, they feel forced to be aggressive and go for on fourth down and not settle for field goals. And I think that obviously that's going to be very important in this game. And you just go back and look at Tennessee's game this season. You know, LSU game, they forced LSU to go 0-3 on fourth downs and how much that has changed the dynamic of the game and how Tennessee gives up two of those first downs and LSU scores on those drives. You feel, you know, not that you'd felt like Tennessee's defense played horrible, but you'd feel like, yeah, it wasn't an amazing game where everybody felt like that was an amazing game. You flip, you go, I guess, two weeks before that, the game before that, the Florida game. Tennessee gave up five of six conversions on fourth down. You get off the field on a couple of those uh, couple of those drives, a couple of those attempts, and I think all of a sudden it goes from, man, Tennessee's defense had a really, really bad day to they're not perfect, they're not great, but they got enough stops and made it easy enough for Tennessee to win. So you're right, uh, fourth downs I think are just going to kind of continuously be uh, a major talking point and a major theme for Tennessee's defense because Tennessee's offense forces them uh, to be in a lot of those situations. It's that bend but don't break. 
it kind is. of mentality right there. And we've seen Tennessee actually be pretty good at that throughout a, a fairly good portion of the season so far. There's been times where they've allowed opponents to get down to the red zone, but then have really kind of put the clamps on, held them to field goals. No, they haven't. I think I saw a stat last week where Tennessee, and it, obviously it could have changed since it was before uh, the last game, but I think Tennessee was either last or second in la- second of last in the SEC in percentage of times they forced three and outs. Um, and uh, they don't do a lot. They don't quickly get off the field a lot, but you're right. They've been good, pretty solid in the red zone, and they've done a pretty good job just in general inside the 35-yard line of uh, forcing opponents to either go for it on fourth down or, or kick a field goal. And, like, you know, Tennessee forcing opponents to kick field goal with the offense that they have, that's a win. You're going to win a lot of games if you make opponents uh, settle for three. Quarterback Will Levis, we know that he has been a popular pick as one of the um, future NFL First round draft projections, maybe maybe somewhere in those high rounds, at least one of the top quarterbacks, uh, quarterback prospects in the league right now. Will Levis, you got Chris Rodriguez Jr., a really talented running back. What's kind of your thoughts on on that section of uh, Tennessee's offense? Um, Excuse me, Kentucky's offense. Yeah, I'll start by saying I don't understand the Will Levis quarterback uh, NFL quarterback hype. Um, he's yeah. a good player. He's a good college player. You see, he has the. Uh, the build and the big arm and some of you know he's a super mobile guy, but the mobility to move out of the pocket and make plays. So I guess I understand it from that aspect. But how he's mentioned in the same breath as Bryce Young and C.J. Shroud as an NFL draft prospect just uh, it baffles me really. But he's he's a solid player and he you know look Tennessee secondary is bad and they we'll see who all is missing, who all isn't able to play. Uh, but they will almost certainly be down a couple of starters. So there's going to be opportunities for Kentucky to make plays in the air because there's going to be any team Tennessee plays this year, there are going to be opportunities to make make plays in the air. And, and to me, the game is more about what Tennessee can do to limit Chris Rodriguez. He was suspended the first month of the season, and he, so Kentucky's played seven games. He's only played three of them. He's, uh, he's Kentucky's leading rusher by over 120 yards. He has 17 more carries than any of, ten, or any of other Kentucky's running backs. He has three of Kentucky's six rushing touchdowns on the year. Two of those have been Levis as well. So he is, to me, probably give Jameer Gibbs uh, the nod as the best running back in the SEC, but he's about as good as anybody else. And he's probably not far, not too far behind Gibbs. And a very different runner. Gibbs, so elusive, really good catching the, pa- catching the ball besides uh, the critical second down <laughs> in, in Neyland Stadium when he yeah. had a drop that changed the dynamic of that game. But Rodriguez, big, physical, powerful runner, doesn't go down on first contact a lot. Tennessee's run defense has been really good. If Tennessee can make – Maybe not one-dimensional completely, but at least not get gashed on the ground, get Kentucky into some third and longs, very similar to what we talked about in the LSU game, really. Uh, I think that's going to bode well for Tennessee, and especially from what we talked about earlier in the way Kentucky wants to limit possessions in the game and run clock. If you make them lean on Will Levis's arm, and look, he might be capable of, of – he is capable, especially against Tennessee's defense, of making some big plays – but I think that still would change the way this game is played and get it into, even if Kentucky's offense has success, a little bit more of a shootout, which I think bodes well for Tennessee's chances. What have kind of been your thoughts this week just on the overall outcome of this game? Have you been a little bit torn throughout the week about which direction this thing could go? Have you been a little bit more towards one way or the the other? I'll kind of set you up and say this. You know, going into the LSU game, I did not feel like there was a lot of ways that LSU could have won that game. Uh, and it turned out that Tennessee uh, pretty much dominated that game on the road. Then you go to Alabama, and I felt like, yeah, there are plenty of ways where I can see Alabama winning this game because they are a, a very balanced, very good overall team. For this one, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle, uh, I think, at, at least for me. I, I don't see 
a ton of ways that I feel like Kentucky can just outright best Tennessee in this game, but I do feel like they're still obviously going to bring a challenge to the table, maybe a little bit more than I thought for, for some of the other teams this year so far. What has kind of been your overall thoughts, your judgment on this game so far? I mean, I think Tennessee's better, and I think Tennessee will win. The line being that high, especially 12.5, is a, to me, it just seems a little big. And, and I think Kentucky has a chance to be able to make things competitive, and uh, I think certainly the way they do some things, really, just like we said, the ability to limit the, limit possessions in the game could make uh, make this game more competitive. But at the end of the day, if Tennessee's offense comes out and plays like it's played in every single game besides the Pittsburgh game this year, I have a hard time seeing Tennessee losing. Now, maybe even if Tennessee goes out and plays really well, it could be a bad game uh, for Tennessee's defense, and Kentucky's offense can put up a lot of points. But I don't think Kentucky's going to be able to keep up if Tennessee's offense plays the way it's capable. So I guess – while I think maybe it'd be easier uh, to look, and a lot of these games we look at it, it's if Tennessee, what, what can Tennessee's defense do, do uh, to put them in a good position to win? Because the offense is going to show up. To me, this is as simple as the offense. If the offense shows up and plays the way it has, really every game except for one game this season, I just don't see how don't see how Kentucky w- would be able to win. So I feel good uh, about from Tennessee's standpoint that I, I think this is a game that Tennessee will win. But uh, at the same time. 12 points feels like a lot, and I think this is probably more losable of a game than one might think just because of that line. Sure. So this is kind of my my final wrap-up thought on the game, and then I'll throw it back over to you as well. But, you know, I, I think one of the things that really kind of factors into this game but maybe doesn't even have anything to do with the 22 people that are going to be starting on the field or the two coaches on the opposing sidelines, man, I think that Neyland Stadium has really kind of established itself – as frankly one of the best home field uh, home field advantages in college football this year. I mean, you have seen just on time and time again Tennessee putting 100,000 plus people in that stadium and it is loud. It is uh it is rowdy. It is jumping. Even last week for the 12 o'clock noon game on homecoming in UT Martin. I mean, the the stands were pretty darn filled uh, all the way through and I mean, obviously People are going to leave at some point, right, once Tennessee jumps out to a a 40-point lead or whatever. But it it really was impressive how far into the game Tennessee's fans stayed. Then you go back to the Florida game, to the Alabama game, games that are going to be more like what we see this Saturday night against Kentucky. And you really saw just how much, at least in my opinion, I felt like Tennessee's crowd impacted that game. We also know from the mouth of Nick Saban, he felt like, hey, his team was maybe a little bit intimidating walking into the atmosphere that Neyland Stadium presented. They were normally chanting. They They were normally kind of swaying back and forth in that tunnel right before they walk out into the field. Nick Saban said they weren't doing any of that. There was a little bit of an intimidation factor. So I think one of my last kind of points about this game is that this is going to be a 7 o'clock game. I believe the first true SEC night game this season for Tennessee at home. I mean, look, this is going to be a rowdy crowd. It's it's probably going to be a, excuse me, it's probably going to be a, a, a fairly drunk crowd as well. Like, it's going to be... It's going to be rowdy. We know how Tennessee fans feel about Kentucky and how much they they almost expect, right, at this point, expect wins over Kentucky now. I think that this is going to be a hostile crowd, uh, not in the way that, that makes you scared or anything like that, but hostile in the sense of the college football environment, right? We, we all know what that looks like. But uh, anyways, I do think that Tennessee brings one of the best home field advantages to the country in this game, uh, and, and I can see that being a factor in the game. Yeah, definitely, and I, two kind of final thoughts on the game, and one's going kind of off that similar theme to where 
I think a lot of people, maybe on a national stage, say, well, Tennessee's number three in the country. They're undefeated. They got Georgia next week. That's obviously a huge game, and it's a behemoth game. Uh, Tennessee is a trap spot for Tennessee. Tennessee might be looking past Kentucky. I don't think Tennessee's going to be looking past Kentucky. I think this team, for one, is still in the beginning stages of building something where they can compete with the best in the SEC year after year. And I think you combine that with the fact that the leadership on this team is so steady, and Hendon Hooker is so even kill, and Josh Heifel is really that way too, and some of the other team leaders are as well. I don't think you'll see Tennessee looking past this one, and this is really to your point the same way. I don't think Tennessee's fans are going to be looking past this one as, as a given. No, I think most of almost all of them expect to win. I think there's going to be certainly kind of a, a rowdiness and an uh, atmosphere of, you know, we need to make this a hostile environment to make make life difficult, difficult on Kentucky. So that's uh, one of uh, my final thoughts. And then the other one, uh, it's, it's eluding me. I don't remember what my other final thought is. So <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll just move on. Uh, yeah, it was something about Kentucky's offense. Go check uh, RockyTopInsider.com by the time that you're listening to this. And who knows? We might have even been <laughs> posting about it already. Do you have a score prediction, or are you kind of saving that a little bit later on in the week for uh, for the post? Yeah, I won't give a, a official one. We got to we got to tease it a little bit, Not but I, I think this this will be a game where Tennessee is upper thirties, lower forties, and then Kentucky's upper twenties, lower thirties. So uh, Tennessee by. Uh, eight to ten points yeah. is kind of what I'm thinking. It's kind of around what I have as well. Uh, okay, last question for you. Dark mode uniforms, do we see them this week? Obviously, we're recording this on Tuesday. As these words are coming out of my mouth, it's 2.22 p.m., uh, 2.22 in they, the afternoon. Have they put an announcement out in okay. the last? Check on this real quick. Because they've been uh, big on the Tuesday announcements this year. Bob, what do you think? Do you think the dark mode jerseys are going to be making their 2022 season debut this Saturday night? I don't know. The, if it wasn't approaching the Halloween holiday, I'd say uh, probably not. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I, I, that's a tough one. I, I think he likes – it seems like they like sticking with the orange and white. And it seems like they definitely like going traditional for rivalry games. It, it right. seems like that's the look that they want to portray to the college football viewing audience or, or whoever's watching. Yeah, the place will blow up, though, if they show up in the black, if they do wear those. I do, uh, and again, it doesn't look like anything has officially been announced yet, but I, I do think that that's kind of maybe the direction that we're going into. I, I don't know if there's another game on the schedule that kind of presents itself in this way. Look, you're under the lights. It's two days before Halloween. I do think that's, that this announcement's going to come. Uh, Ryan? Yeah, I, I agree. I think they'll they'll wear the black uniforms. I think the question will be, will it be with the white helmets they wore last year or uh, ah. black helmet? Maybe even we've seen that they have orange helmets, which – that's a different conversation. Those orange helmets are very interesting looking. Uh, but no, I, I think the I think them. the Bears just wore those about 14 days ago on Thursday Night Football. You're right. You're right. It, it looked Bears orange is what it did. Yes. Um, but no, they just I, slapped a different logo on they it. They did. They did. Uh, but no, I think, I think Tennessee's going to wear the black uniform. Tennessee, Kentucky coming up from Neyland Stadium, 7 o'clock p.m. this Saturday night. Ryan and I will be there. We'll be covering the game, and we will have you totally locked in after the game as well. We will come to you with a instant reaction video. That will be over on the RTI YouTube channel, and we will definitely have an instant reaction podcast. That'll be right where you're listening to the podcast right now, which, by the way, 
man, we have an awesome podcasting network that we are using right now. You can find RTI Press Pass on any different platform that you are listening to right now. And hey, here's what we ask of you, and this would really help us out. Go ahead and please subscribe. Please leave a rating. Please leave a comment. Do whatever you want to do to interact with the show a little bit. We love seeing that on our end, and we definitely love getting to interact with you guys as well down there. But Ryan, any kind of wrap-up thoughts on uh, on this podcast, on this game? No, I mean, I think it's going to be an interesting one and certainly uh, a really exciting, you know, to have a, a SEC night game, uh, I think, is super exciting. Tennessee's played, I believe, going back all the way to, to uh, since the 2011 game, which was the game that Kentucky ended uh, Tennessee's really long winning streak. Every single game in Lexington in this series has been a night game, and I believe all of them have been SEC Network night games. Obviously, this one will be ESPN, uh, but kind of cool to see Tennessee get a return uh, in a night game on the other side because I don't – I don't have it in front of me, but I'm, I'm not sure there's been a, a single night game in Knoxville between these two teams, two teams in those dates I, I named. And uh, one of the biggest games in college football this week, and I think that's shown by the fact that Kirk Herbstreit, Chris Fowler, Holly Rowe, ESPN's uh, top crew will, will be in Knoxville as they should be. I don't, I don't expect much from that Michigan-Michigan State-ABC night game. Yeah, I would definitely agree. So that's coming up this weekend, again, 7 o'clock p.m. from Neyland Stadium. Make sure you are locked into Rocky Tump Insider on all different social media platforms that you have. We have Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube. That is all going to be with the handle at Rocky Tump Insider. If you want to go ahead and follow Ryan, you can do that at rshump00. If you want to go ahead and follow myself, you can do that as well. That is at Rick underscore Butler. But again, make sure you are staying locked in every single day to RockyTompInsider.com. That is where you are going to find all of your Tennessee news, notes, and coverage. Otherwise, that's going to wrap it up for us today. So let's go ahead and get on out of here. Ryan, thank you. Bob, thank you. Man, we're having an awesome time. We will see you back for the next one. You've been listening to the RTI Press Pass with Rick and Ryan.